Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church? Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. I, I like the mix-up here tonight, don't you all? Amen. I like the diversity and seeing what all we're multiple talents. Amen. Aren't you glad for what God's doing? Now, some folks asked me this evening if I was going to the islands or Hawaii. Um, I told them that, you know, didn't get the memo. This is Hawaiian night theme. They didn't get the memo, so I get the prize. All right? I get the prize. So there you go. All right. I want you to take your Bibles with me and go to 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. As you're turning over there, some announcements so that, uh, uh, so that I don't forget at the end of the service. Uh, the Savvy Sisterhood, which is our ministry to single mothers, is going to be Friday, October the 15th at 6 p.m. So if you fall in that category, please contact Jane uh, for fellowship and a meal. And also, uh, the Flourish Women's Ministry is going to meet for a luncheon Sunday, the 17th at 12.30 p.m. And so come on out and enjoy that, ladies. Also, uh, next Tuesday, I want to encourage and invite you all to come. And we're going to have our Light for the Lost Banquet. And uh, Tim Teague is going to be our speaker. And asking our men to come out and help us. We're going to have uh, fish and fries and hush puppies and all the trimmings. No cost to you. Just come out and enjoy. We'll bleed you for the money when you get there. Okay. And then uh, we, we're going to have a baby shower for uh, one of our beautiful couples, Emily O'Neill. It's going to have a baby boy, and that's going to be on Ju October the 23rd from 2 to 4. And so you can find out information. Also, uh, Girls Ministry has two fundraisers going, one Pampered Chef party and another Christmas ornament, and uh, you can find out the details in the foyer. Everybody said amen. Okay, let's look here at 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. 1 Samuel, 30th chapter. I love this story in the Word of God. I do. I love it because, and I glean from this. How many know that the words on, this, on the pages of this book are not just meant to, uh, to, to come out with some, maybe some reading now and again? But when you pull it out, it becomes life as God begins to reveal truth to you. And it's areas that we see in the Word of God that we can, we can take those words off the page and put them into our heart, put them into practice. But what I love about this story is it takes what seems to be a most tragic situation and brings not just hope, but restoration. Amen? And so if the Lord did it for David... God will do it for you. And then when you begin to understand that, that this is God's personal communication to you and I. Let's look here in 1 Samuel. I'm going to read down a few verses here. 1 Samuel, beginning in verse 1. Father, thank you, Lord, once again for your mercy and grace. I ask, Lord, tonight that you would speak to our heart, reveal your spirit to us. Lord, we pray in the revelation that you would imprint your image, Lord God, in our heart even deeper. In Jesus' name. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag had attacked Ziklag, burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women, those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. 
So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, who had, were taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his son and his daughter, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Emily's son, Please bring me the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Without fail recover all. Now it's interesting as you look at the city of Ziklag here. Ziklag means this. It comes from a root word which means pressing someone mentally in order to bring out what's kept inside. Ziklag from the root meaning of that word is to press someone in such a mental state that whatever's inside of them will come out of them. Sounds like interrogation for sure. Now I want you to imagine with me if you will, here's David. He is a man who has been anointed to be king over Israel. Someone else is occupying that position. So this person occupying that position, his reign and his rule is not over yet. David's time has not come. David's appointment has not been scheduled or his appointed time is not yet. But he has been anointed to be king. And the one who holds that position could be helping him to transition into that position, but instead wants to hold on to that power. And he's out to kill him. David wouldn't raise his hand against his king, King Saul, because in raising his hand against his king, he felt like that was just like raising his hand against God who has control over all authority. So in order to avoid being a target for the spear, he runs off and he hides in the enemy's camp, the Philistines. And the Bible tells us that Saul did not pursue him anymore. And now he's there in order to survive. He is there having to pretend that he's something he's not. That he is against Israel and against king and standing there under the Philistine rule. And it just so happens that Ziklag is in the country of Gath, the very place in which Goliath is from. But he beheaded. He's in a predicament. Now, if things are not bad enough, he goes out on raiding parties, and he's been there for 14 months. And for 14 months, he goes into the enemy's camp, the enemies of Israel, and he's wiping out those camps. He's wiping out those camps. 
gathering the spool, wiping out the camps, all the enemies of Israel, doing what he feels like is the will of God for his life and for his nation and for the covenant people. Then he shows up with his 600 men whom he did not enlist. He did not recruit. He did not wave the banners and say, look, I'm going to be the anointed king. Come and follow me. He he didn't do any of that. He didn't self-promote, but still the 600 gathered up, some of which I'm sure was his family. They gathered up, and now they're following him, and they, they're in this place, and maybe they feel like they're fulfilling the will because they're out there destroying the enemies of the covenant people of God. But then they show up to the house, and the house is no more. The campsite's been burned. The sons and the daughters, they're gone. They don't know if they're ever coming back. They don't know if they're dead or they're alive. Maybe they're looking for the blood prints. They don't know if it's the animals or or what's around them. They're looking at the smoke. They're looking at the fact that all the spool that they have brought in is now completely gone. But I say to you, there was a pressure put upon David. And there was a response that the enemy was looking for. But he didn't get that response. He didn't get what he was expecting to get. And that was the old carnal man rising up and complaining about his situation. Oh, he was not immune to the hurt. He felt everything the other guys felt even more so because he carried the weight and the burden of the responsibility of caring for these 600 people and their families and their children and their livestock. Think about if you had to feed, clothe, make sure everybody was taken care of 600 plus people every single day. He's feeling the full weight of this. Now these persons that were following him, they thought the best plan of action would be just let's go ahead and kill David. Sounds like a good plan. Let's kill David. Let's take the leader out. Folks, what you see is something happened that day because David had something inside of him. Oh, Lord, my God, let your voice be heard in this house. The Lord whispered something to me on my way to and from the church today. He said, you know, my church is coming to an appointed day. Mm. They're they're coming to that appointed day, and they're so close, uh, they can't even begin to comprehend how close they are. Oh, they're having to make up camp uh, in the enemy's camp, and they have been pressurized. They have been terrorized. They have been pushed down, and there's there's coming something up out of them that's going to rattle the enemy's camp. It's going to alter the situation. It's going to change the landscape and the cope because I put it in them. Oh, they've counted the church out, but don't count the church out just yet. Oh, you've counted. Oh, the naysayers said, oh, the church is one washed up and they'd have nothing left in them but I'm saying to you there's something deep down on the inside of the heart of the church and it is spirit and it is truth and we've been pushed in the corner we've been backed up and pressed we have lost too much but let me tell you what's coming up out of us it's not going to be a complaint we're not pointing our fingers at anybody we don't want anybody to die but let me tell you what we're going to begin to do is the worship is going to begin to come
come up out of the heart of the church and we're going to arise in this day. My God, if it doesn't excite you, you need to get your exciter fixed because there's something inside the church, something inside the heart of the church that's beyond the circumstance, that's beyond the scene. There is a worship that's going to rise up out of the church. Here's David. What did he begin to do? He had no one to encourage him. He had no one to strengthen him. Those sitting around him wanted to take him down. Those that were there were ready to kill him. They thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread when he took Goliath's head off. Now they want to take his head off. They want to stone him to death. They thought in the valley whenever he killed Goliath and they chased after the Philistines and they drove them out, man, he's the one, he's the one, he's the one. What they didn't realize is that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit caused David to be a type of Christ to rise up in that hour to behead those giants so that they would be trained how to kill giants themselves. But David shows us something here that comes to a heart of worship. He began to strengthen himself in the Lord. He began to praise. Now he was weeping with the rest of them. They were those Hebrews and their customs and cultures. They're passionate people. They feel what was going on. You recall in the word how that the high priest ripped his garment as an act of, 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 of grief whenever he heard that Christ called himself the Son of God. He ripped his, he ripped his shirt. I've talked to some people that gotten so mad before that their face turns beat red, but I never had them rip their clothes off. There was anguish here. There was feelings of hurt. Their sons and their daughters, their wives, their precious ones have been taken. David begins to strengthen himself, begins to worship. There's something that came out of prayer meeting Sunday, Saturday morning, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, well, Saturday morning. The Lord spoke this to us in, in our time of prayer. He said, Worship will clear the chaos. Imagine, if you will, with me. Here's David in this camp, and there's nothing but chaos all around him. It is an emotional chaos that's taking place. There is, there is grief or there is sorrow. We have built that platform. We understand there is chaos all around him. And he's a man who now inquires of the Lord. And he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is he doing? He's strengthening himself in the Lord. He's beginning to worship. He's beginning to, he's beginning to call to mind where God brought him from, I'm sure. Let me tell you, when you strengthen yourself in God, you start reciting the goodness of the Lord. 
you start declaring, God, I remember that day. I was out in the field. They didn't call me in, but you didn't let them sit down till I got there. You did not cause them to, to rest until I made it there. I didn't ask for this position. You gave it to me. I didn't just step into this generation. You brought me here. When you breathe into Adam's nostrils, you saw a day where I would be standing before a congregation of individuals and encouraging them that there is more for them than against them. There is he who is greater that's in you than he that is in the world. There's a God who lives, and he lives on the inside of me. He lives on the inside of you. And all he's looking for is your love. Oh, my soul, why art thou cast down within me? I will hope in the Lord. I will shake my mind loose of the turmoil that I'm in by worshiping God and saying, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for calling me to this day. Thank you for calling me faithful in the house of the Lord. Thank you for the privilege, opportunity just to praise you. But David was not without his faults. Let me tell you what we learn from David. He's a man after God's own heart. You know that's what he said. Abathar, go bring me the ephod. Let me put on this priestly garment because I don't go before God in my own righteousness. I go before God in his righteousness. I don't inquire of him because I'm worthy. I inquire of him because he makes us worthy. I don't, I don't pursue the Lord and pray to God because he's just a God who sits up with a deaf ear trying to wrangle some promise out of his hand. He's my father. I'm his son. Whatever I have need of, I just ask him. But now I want you to notice something about David that is remarkable to me. He inquired and he said, Lord, do I pursue or not? In other words, is this my end or is this a new beginning? He wasn't presumptuous to think that he should just gather the troops and take off. He was wanting to know, Lord, what's your plan? What's your plan? What do you want to do? If you need to take me on home, I'm ready to go on home, Lord God, because I figure home is better than where I'm at right now. In other words, he's a true worshiper, and worshipers are surrendered to God. David didn't promote himself. He had twice the opportunity to take Saul out and immediately he would have been put in that position. But he said, no, I'm not going to self-promote. I'm going to wait on God because my heart is surrendered to the Lord. A worshiper is surrendered to God. They don't need vindication, validation. They do not need accolades. They don't need any kind of worship for self-promotion. All they're looking for is the will of God. Lord, just give me your will. Lord, do you want me to die on this hill? Do you want me to get up and pursue? Do you want me to stop here? Or, Lord God, are we just getting started? Surrender. What an aspect of worship we don't think about much. Surrender. I'm surrendered. 
You walk into that enemy's camp tomorrow. Some of you have meetings that you're dreading. You walk in there and sit down across that table and you walk in there as a worshiper that you are called to be and the worshiper that you are and the worship that's coming out of you. And in the midst of that meeting, you're going to sit with a perfect peace because you're going to know that you know that you know that you know that you are surrendered to God. And Lord, if you need me to take over the company, I will. Or Lord, you need me to go back to mopping floors, I will. It makes me no difference because in my heart I am a worshiper and I've got only one I'm interested in pleasing mm. you see how much more peaceful that is to know that your heart is worship and you're surrendered you cannot I cannot find I just went through my mind and kind of think about David did David self-promote did he ask for that position did he go gather up that 600 to go with him? Did he at any point in time, even when he was brought in and he was became king over Judah, he could have stood up and said, guys, look, God's called me to be king over all of Israel. I'm the man. I've got the t-shirt. Look at it. I've got the anointing. Look on the back. What does the scripture say? I know some of you are thinking it says flowers. No, 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 no. It says Hawaii. It says the islands. No, that's not what it said. What David was saying is I'm surrendered to the Lord. But let me tell you something. This is a, mm, if you don't get nothing else, you need to get this. If you don't hear anything else, you need to get this. Notice what happened when he began to praise the Lord. He began to encourage himself. It began to rehearse. Re I just believe as you strengthen yourself in God, what you're doing is you're just, you're talking about the goodness of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I was in that place, but Lord God, you brought me out. I was broken, but Lord God, you healed me. Lord God, I was lost, but you found me. Lord, I was worthless, but you, Lord God, brought your goodness into me. Lord, I should have failed, but Lord God, you held me up. I should have drowned, but my God, you put a lifeline. Lord, I should have burned up in that last fire, but Lord God, you shielded me. I should have died in that wreck, but Lord God, you protected me. Lord, I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. Lord God, that last surgery should have been the one that took me out but my God you kept me you kept me you kept me what I want you to see there is this the Lord said this without fail you will recover all this is the part I want you to hear and listen write it down get it in your spirit praise is the birthplace for promise. Praise is the birthplace for promise. How many times have you been in that place? You've been in that moment of despair. You've been in that hour of agony. You've been in that prison with Paul and Silas. You decided, I'm going to inquire of the Lord and I'm going to let God have the final say because he's the only one that matters and he's the only one that can change the circumstance. And instead of moaning and complaining, you decided to let the spirit of worship come out of you and you begin to praise and the Lord begin to enter in and all of a sudden the very foundations of which had you bound and held begin to be disrupted and the walls begin to fall and you not only went free but everybody 
body in the prison went free with you. That's what praise begins to do at the midnight hour, in those hours of late, in those hours where you are there and you feel the pain, you feel the agony, but you decide, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm just going to begin to worship God because I know he put it in me. I know I, he put it in me. And it's not what I feel, it's what I know. And I know that my God lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that he is mighty, he is holy, he is wonderful. That he did not withhold any good thing from me. I'm going to worship you, Lord God. I'm going to magnify your holy name. And what comes out of that, oh, I feel the labor pains in the midst of the worship. Oh, I feel a nine-month promise coming out. Oh, there it is. It's the birth of that promise. And what is that promise saying? You're going to get it. You're going to get it all. You're not going to leave anything, any scrap of the enemy took. You're not going to leave it behind because you are a worshiper. My God, doesn't that make you feel better? Now, the second getter you need to get. Praise is the birthplace of promise. God will remind you of promises. He'll even bring promises right out of there you wasn't even expecting. David is there. He said, Lord, I'm going to give you the final say. I'm going to give you the final say. It's not about me, it's about you. If you want me to die on this hill, I'll die. But if you want me to pursue, I'll pursue. And the Lord said, yes, I want you to pursue. And so he went from being the prey. <laughs> He's no longer the prey, Lou. You're not the prey anymore, Bill. You're the predator. You're on the hunt. You're going after what you have lost. You're going after your children, your children's children, generations to follow. There's resources that you have maybe have gotten stolen from you. There's been time, talent, and treasure that has been forego to the enemy's camp. But oh my God, the worshipers are listening to me right now because there's something deep down inside of them that's starting to bear witness with the witness of the Spirit of God. And the Lord said, oh, you're not going to sit as a victim anymore. You are victorious. You're going to show them your scars, but you're not going to show them your wounds because your wounds have been healed. You are not what the world says you are. You're not what your past history says you are. You are a child of the king. You are triumphant. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you are not the prey. You, church, are the predator. Hear me. Hear me. Praise changes the atmosphere. Whew. Folks, I want us to get the hold of this because it's gotten a hold of me. And I think it's a hold of you. I don't think I know. We've tasted the glory of God. Whew. Father, we can't settle for yesterday's bread. We want the manna for today. 
we have tasted the glory. We, we're not interested. Worshippers are not just interested as church as usual. They're not interested in, in clean stalls. You, you understand? Where, where there is no ox, the stall is clean. But there's much increase that comes by the, the, the ox. What does that translate into our, our vernacular? You can have a clean, uh, prettied up, uh, dressed up church, uh, and everything may go according to plan. But if you want the transforming power of God, it might get a little messy. It might just get a little messy. Because there may be a time where the enemy tries to put that zigzag pressure on you, and all of the sudden things that you didn't know was in you starts coming out. But, oh, we don't live in condemnation and guilt because what we know deep down inside of you press hard enough you're going to get to the core of the church you're going to get to the core of the church and I believe the enemy has poked upon this sleeping giant too long and she's getting up she's waking up she's shaking herself off oh there's going to be serpents in the fire but we're going to shake them right off and keep going after the things of God now David loads his troops up. Let's go, boys. Save your stones for the enemy because we're going after them. We've got the word from God. And you notice once he got the word from God, there was no talk anymore of stoning David. There was no riffraff. There was no committees meeting. Let's put this over to committee and consider this. Oh, no, no. The spirit of God has spoken. Get up and go. Now they're getting up and they're going. Oh, we don't have to have a bunch of get paralyzed in the council. We hear the voice of God. You hear the voice of God and the Lord saying, I want you to worship me. I want you to worship me and lift my name on high because I have so much that I want to give you. If you will surrender your heart, you will recover all. He gets up and he takes off. 200 of them couldn't make the journey. I don't fault them for that. I don't know what physical state they're in. I don't know what mental state they're in. Doesn't say. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they fought the hardest in the last battle. Maybe they were the frontliners in the last battle and they just didn't have the strength. They just got back from battle and they came back into the camp. Who knows what the circumstance was. But there's some folks with an evil heart that was following David. Imagine. Let me just tell you, this is just a sideline note. With the real fire, you'll get wildfire. I don't care about the wildfire. I care about the real fire. And the real fire will quench the wildfire. And when the Spirit of God moves in the magnitude in which I believe we all begin to understand God wants to move because he has to move, and we feel that hunger right now, you're going to get every strange occurrence is going to take place and it's not going to be the spirit of God there's going to be a bunch of weirdness take place because somehow some way that fire attracts the righteous and the weirdos it's all right they're not the enemy they're the target okay just pray the Lord to give them some sanity and there's just some folks that are weird before they'll be weird after they came out weird. They're just going, going in. Just don't worry about it. Amen? God's big enough to take care of all that. 
So there's 200 that didn't make the journey, and some folks decided if you don't work for it, you don't get it. They didn't go to battle. They don't get our stuff. They can have their kids back, but that's all they get. Let me tell you right now, that's not the heart of God. So David decided to set a statue. He said, this is going to be the command throughout all my reign as the king. If you go to battle, you get the spoil. If you don't go to the battle, you get the spoil. What does that tell us? Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, as David is Dahavid, the beloved, that he is a representation of Christ. He went to the cross 2,000 years ago. He fought the battle. He won the war. And now he's saying to you, I have passed it on to you. It's yours. You can have it. So everybody wins. I want the elderly to win. I want the babies to win. I want every person in between to win. I want the glory of God. If it takes me fighting all the way through to get to the other side or a handful of individuals to break through the lines, once we get there, worshipers want everybody to win. Worshipers will come in here and they will worship and they will hope that the drug addict, the adulterer, the porn addicted will come in. And as a result of them worshiping God, they want to see everyone set free. That's the heart of the Father. Now, David, he said, all right, you guys can have your portion but you see all that stuff there? That's mine. I'm the king and I'm claiming it. He wasn't the king yet, but he's the king of that group. But see, David, he didn't get that for himself. He went back to his friends and to those in Israel is this your cow? No, it's fatter than the cow that I had. Would you? This is the one I want you to have. Are, are those your sheep over there? No, those are bigger and fatter than the sheep. But I, these are the ones I want you to have. Tell me, is this little girl? Does she belong to anybody in this tribe? That's my baby. That's my baby. Spirit of God right now when you begin to worship and begin to praise you're not just going to recover what you lost but you're going to recover some other person's babies oh do you see the awesomeness and the magnitude of what God is asking of his children I want you to praise me I don't want complaint coming from your lips. I want praise to come from your lips. Stop singing the, the, the praise music of hell and start singing the praise music of heaven. Just begin to worship the Lord. See, complaining is always saying what can't be done, what shall not be done. And I don't believe you're complaining against me or the church, but how much complaint is our own life in our own heart? How many times a day do we run ourselves down? Do we talk negatively about ourselves how many times do we entertain the lies of the enemy I believe it's time church
heart that we take those things and we turn them around on the flip side and we begin to say, oh, Lord, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, Lord God, there's everything that you have. Lord God, you have given to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The hour comes. Now is. Right now. Where the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him in the unseen. And this is what the Lord has showed me. You're the church. You got it in you. Because he's in you. Stop looking for it and start walking in it. Stop trying to get to that place of goodness and just walk in his goodness. Just begin to praise him for who he is and for what he's done for you. And when you begin to praise him for who he is and what he's done for you, you'll begin to discover he's done it inside of you and he'll start manifesting on the outside of you. Amen? Let me ask you this question. Reverse history. What would have happened that day to David if he would not have encouraged himself in the Lord, inquired of the Lord? Those two actions caused him to get the promise and the strength to pursue. The reality is, if he would not have worshipped he would have foregone those promises. He might have just made a run for it and might have escaped. We don't know that. We'll never know that. But I believe there's some unwritten pages of history because there's some folks at Ziklag right now. I believe the church is at Ziklag right now. And I believe the church has chosen to worship our Creator. <laughs> We're going to give God the final say. And I believe today that God is going to birth a promise to somebody. I want you right now to stand up and lift your hands. I want you to worship whether you feel like it or not. I want you to surrender your heart. I don't want you to come and in your own righteousness. You come in the righteousness of God. That linen ephod represented the righteousness of the Lord. And David said, I won't come because of what I'm worthy. I won't come because I'm worthy. I'm coming, Lord, because you're worthy. I'm coming, Lord God, because I heard your voice. I heard, Lord God, you want me to love you with all of my heart, all of my mind, and all of my strength. Because what I do realize is that you love me with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And you're not asking anything from me that, Lord God, you haven't already given to me, Lord God, from you. Because any good that I give back to you is a result of the good that you've already given me. And, Lord, I believe tonight that, Lord, 
Lord, there are those right now, those right now, Father God, that are living in a place they're at a sick like. They have lost, Lord God, but they will recover. Lord God, they have, Lord God, been pursued by the enemy, pressed beyond measure, but my God, they're going to come up out of this house with a promise, with a promise. Oh, my God, I see some people that have shaken off the prey mentality. You're not running from the enemy anymore. God is wakening your mind up. You're turning around right now with the fierceness of the lion heart of Jesus and you're running after the enemy and said, no, you can't have them. You're not going to get my children, my ministry, my calling. You're not going to get the harvest that's appointed. You're not going to get the lost children that Lord God has called me to recover in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, you're not getting another day of my sanity. I'm not giving you one more moment in this depression. I'm not giving you one more moment in this oppression. I'm not giving you one more second in this self-validation. I'm going to stand up. I'm walking in the might that God has given me. I praise you, Lord. Oh, you don't have anybody to strengthen you. You have no one to encourage you. You just begin right now. Encourage yourself. Go and encourage yourself. Oh, begin to infuse courage inside. Begin to take strength. That word strengthen means to hold on. I want you to hold on to the promise God's made to you. Wonderful counselor, living God. Holy is the living God. Holy is the living God. Lord, we've been pushed too far. Lord God, we have lost too much. Lord God, this is our Kronos meeting our Kairos moment. But Lord God, the very next chapter, Lord God, David is stepping in. The enemies, Lord, that pursued him are dead. Lord God, his appointed time had come. Lord, he stepped into an arena, Lord God, he didn't know possible. Lord God, he didn't call for anybody to follow him. They just followed him because of favor and the anointing of the Lord was upon him. Lord God, you're going to cause an anointing to rest upon your children. Lord God, there's a Lord ministers, Lord God. Lord, they're flaming fire carriers, Lord God. There's a royal priesthood and mediators, Lord God, in this house of the new covenant. Lord God, favor, favor, favor. You're going to look up and people are going to be following you. You're going to say, where did all y'all come from? They say, we're going to say, I've seen the glory of God on you and I'm coming after you. I want what you got. I need to know him. I need to know him. Oh Lord, there's a love being poured out in this house today. Oh God, my God. I want you to know something tonight, church. What I need is what you need. And it's the greatest need of our children. They need to fall madly in love with Jesus. Madly in love with Jesus. We need a revelation and a revival of the love of God. <sighs> because when you fall in love with someone, you, your heart is so moved and you're so devoted that you'll run through a troop and leap over a wall. You'll see everything through their eyes you'll begin to understand what they understand. 
Father, I pray for revival of love in me, in us, and in our children, Lord. A revival of love. Lord, let us fall madly in love. Lord, we don't take credit for the love we feel for you right now. Lord, that love has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we are asking you right now as we surrender our hearts fully to you. We ask, Lord God, that you would flood to overflowing. Can I leave you with one other thought? It's interesting as I was looking up the meaning Ziklag that a given word can have multiple meanings. Ziklag, several places I found, means this. Pressed down, shaken together. Anybody recall the story when Jesus Give and it'll be given unto you. Press down, shake, say it louder, sister. They go to the market, they get their little can of flour. They say, I'm going to buy some flour. They give them a measure. They shake it, and they press it. They put some more in there. And they shake it and they press it. And they shake it and they press it. Until there's no more room. If you'll begin to worship. See what David at this moment in the next chapter. He's now king. His enemies are dead. He is king. And he became he worshipped what the enemy was trying to destroy him with it became you worshipers hear me oh there's more to that tale that the Lord told in Luke 6 he wants to put in you as you give I understand as you give to others but I want to give to God I want to give him my heart I want to give him my time I want to give him my treasure I want to give him my talent and the Lord's saying yes that's a heart of a worshiper you worshipers give me your time and I'll multiply your time you give me your talent I'll multiply your talent you give me your treasure I'll shake it press it I will keep pouring in and pouring in and pouring in because I have so much more treasure to give you I believe this is someone's turning point tonight it is a turning point of worship you're going to magnify God he's going to give you that promise and what was meant to destroy you is going to be your launch yes I just got one last thing to say Aloha, Aloha. We'll see you Saturday morning for prayer. God bless. We love you. Appreciate you. You're dismissed. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, thank you. Our missionary highlight tonight is Aaron and Sarah Henry. They, I should have, I should have. 
Well, if you could just pretend they're on an island. It's called a big island called Africa. <laughs> they are serving in South Africa with some famous missionaries you may know, Adam and Alicia Fogelman. But they serve in the urban tribe. They helped start the, the church there in 2018. And in the process of developing that church, they've seen the first year over 100 individuals come to accept Christ. <laughs> Amen. Adam's, Adam's going to be here with us in a few weeks, and he can give us a, an updated report on what's going on there in Durban. But we want to lift up our, our brothers and sisters in Africa. We want to lift up Aaron and Sarah, and Sarah Henry as representatives. Could you right now, as the ushers are making their way to the back, as this offering in its entirety goes to our missions budget. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that, Lord God, every seed sown, Lord God, in your kingdom will produce, Lord God, I believe. Lord, I just believe, Father God, that, Lord, you're going to multiply, Father, beyond measure. I pray, Father, I thank you for the revival that's taking place in Africa, and, Lord, I believe that revival, Lord God, Lord, is going to come back, Lord God, and spill over, Lord God, into this country, into our cities, into our homes. And, Lord, we just thank you tonight for the privilege of giving in your kingdom. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You are officially dismissed.